Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. Parsha uh, Ekiv, which is, uh, this is Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 7, the middle half. So it's verse 12, all the way through until 25, verse 11, sorry, chapter 11, verse 25. Yes, Larry. You know, this seems to me to be some of the most important parts of the whole Bible right yeah, here. That, that, because it's important. explaining to you, if life keeps knocking you over the head, there's here's a reason. why. There's a reason why. Yeah. You may not necessarily know why. I mean, you person. It's a, this is, there, there's some, English doesn't do a very good job describing the plural you versus individual singular you. Some of these phrases are you are actually plural, and some of them are singular. So, for example, in, in, in um, I should get my notebook out here. Society is in here, but the, yeah, society, exactly. So society is, is here too. So in the first part of this, it says, uh, I'll see. Uh, 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 this is uh, see. This is uh, back to, going back to chapter seven. Our pages back here. Uh, it says this should be the reward for you when you hearken his ordinances, so you observe, perform them. Well, the the you will listen to or you observe before them. Those are uh, plural use. You as a nation or a community or a neighborhood or a congregation or a family. It's a plural you. But the blessings are singular. So what it means is that uh, you, you, may, you may be doing the best you can in your own life, but the society around you or your community around you isn't. If they're not doing well, you're not going to get blessings either. Yeah, the giant drought that, that, that's covering the Western United States. You may be a good person. You might be doing honoring God and everything that you can do, but because your society isn't, you don't get blessed in spite of it. I mean, God doesn't sit there and, and strike lightning around everybody else and leave your house well. Your house is, is going to have suffer, suffer as well because you're with inside of it. So the plural you have the responsibility of the community or your family or your church or your city or your state or your nation, whatever case it be, whatever, however broad you want to look at it, we're all responsible. But if the whole responsibility falls short, you don't get blessed in spite of it. You suffer with it. Make sense? So the blessings, but the blessings, however, if the whole community does well, the blessings are individual. That makes sense? So you may be blessed individually if the whole community is doing, not 100%, but the majority. <laughs> You're not going to get 100% anything. But the majority is doing well, you'll get blessed accordingly as an individual, as opposed to, for example, community does well and your neighbor gets blessed and you don't. But you're doing well too. That doesn't work. God wouldn't do it that way. That would be an unjust system. But unfortunately, if you live, for example, Lot is a great example. You live in a terrible place, Lot. You're going to get cursed along with it if you don't get out. You have a responsibility to leave, to, 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 to take, hey, this is, I will, I will die with it even though I'm not causing any of it. Does that make sense? So the cursings can affect everybody. The blessing to get them, you're responsible for the community as well. So it, it tells us 
as a as an inherent responsibility as, as a human being, a follower of God, say, hey, pay attention to my neighborhood. Pay attention to my community. What are they doing too? Be an active member in it as well to try to influence for good whatever you can. Granted, we're limited. We're human beings. We can't do a whole lot. But what you can do, go ahead and do. Because through that, you get blessed as well. Which Jeremiah said the, same, said the same principle. He said, pray for the land you live in because if it has peace, you have peace too. So all those processes, you got to pay attention to what's going on about you. You can't be living your own isolated bubble. Yes. How does that relate to what the Master said in, in uh, John 17 when he said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you keep them from the evil one. That seems to fit pretty well. <laughs> that seems pretty well. And that, because you, you, you're, you're, still, you're still part of the world you live in. We still are, he'll still, he'll still redeem us or save us if we, if we right. follow the. So, 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 so if, if we follow, so if example, if first, for example, and that same, the same light of thought, Messiah had warned them in Matthew saying, okay, when you see these calamities about you, get out. Well, if you chose to stay, yeah, and you chose to stay instead of getting out, what's going to happen? Well, we have anybody else you perish because you chose to stay you chose so when you're saying when, when, when god's living out you to obey or follow god it's not just okay here's the instructions of how to live my personal life and i'm looking down in my book live reading my personal life and following as best i can but i'm ignoring the world around me what's going to happen to me i die with it well, you, you, I'm not saying God's going to say that you, Larry, should go to here. <laughs> I'm not saying you're being assigned to your location. Yeah, Idaho, wherever. <laughs> you're going to want to go. Um, it's not that, but the, the, the point is that pay attention to the world around you and don't ignore it. it you, 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 you are going to be subject to it as well. Oh, yeah. and a, an invading army comes in and for some bizarre reason decides to pop here in the Bay Area. I probably shouldn't stick around because unless the invading army is going to really like me, I should probably leave along with all the other refugees that they're probably trying to take out. So there's a responsibility of observe what's going on about you and don't ignore it. Um, Jeremiah had the same conversation with the sons of Jehonadab when when they they, they, they were following their father, great, 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 great grandfather, saying, don't live in the cities, don't live in, the, don't live in huts or houses, you are wanderers only, and God will take care of you. And they did the best they could, and they did it for generations until, until the invading army showed up. So, okay, um, they looked about, hey guys, I know we have instructions to not go in the city, don't go to cities, they'll, they'll, you'll, you'll, they'll die there, they'll, you'll get perished and captured, but staying out here, the invading army is killing every human being it sees and taking everything there is. So, we're better. We need a walled city to run to, and so they ran the walled city. So even though they were obeying their instructions, following their instructions, what their Yehonadab had told them years and years and years and years, generations earlier, they followed it, but they were still watching the world around them, saying, "Wait a minute! I have Nebuchadnezzar, who is ruthless, kills everything, is coming to attack. Um, we need something that protects us better than our good, good, good looks. <laughs> Let's go into the city and." And Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, go visit them and say, well done. You did what you were supposed to do. You followed your, 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 your great, 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 great grandfather. And you did for many generations. But then you moved into the city only because 
the invading army. So you were doing what you're supposed to do, but you paid attention to the world around you and responded accordingly. Not that these men were bad people, they weren't. God said, you did a good job. And because of this, I'll make sure you have a man in your line forever. There will be somebody who is righteous enough to stand before me for as long as time exists. Or for, for Yohan and Dab's, uh, they're, 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 so they were people who, who watched the world around them and responded accordingly, not being ignorant of it. Does that make sense? So we, we, it's our responsibility to respond similarly, to watch the world around you. Don't, don't, don't ignore it. Don't pretend like your own, your own, your little, own little world. Hope that makes sense. I mean, there comes a question regarding this Torah portion so, so far. All right. <clears throat> okay, so let's go. That's, so we're in chapter seven. We went to Ikev and in this Torah portion. Our next section, this is um, an interesting, I, I find it comical. So maybe you won't, but I do. So go down to verse, verse 17 through 18. Ah, yes. Uh, this is chapter 7. So Deuteronomy 7, verse 17 and 18. I, this, is, this is my sense of humor. Maybe it's not yours, but it is mine. Uh, it says, Perhaps you will say in your heart, These nations are more numerous than I. How will I be able to drive them out? Do not fear them. You should remember what Jehovah your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. So I find it funny. So that means if, 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 if I say in my heart, These nations are stronger than I am. I can't defeat them. He says, don't, don't be afraid. What happens if I don't say that? Is the opposite true too? <laughs> Just, and my person's humor. Is the opposite true? If I don't say they're too great for me, oh, I can take care of it. We'll take this on. Yeah, pay attention. The opposite can, be, can, catch, can catch you as well. Uh, it, it, it's comical. So if you say, you say, if, don't, if you say you, you're afraid of them, don't be afraid. But if I say I'm not afraid of them, then I shouldn't fear them. That's unwise because we call it the arrogance, right? The point is that no matter what happens, whether you say internally in your heart, I'm not afraid or I am afraid, both are supposed to be dependent upon God. It's, just, it's, a, it's a sense of humor that I thought was, I thought was funny. What does your help? And we have a great example. Joshua did this exact problem. The story of the, the town of Ai. Remember the town of Ai? But we don't remember the town of Ai. That's all right. It's, it's dead. Anyway, so uh, they, were, they, they conquered Jericho. And Achan had grabbed some purple garments. There's things he'd, t- he'd take what it's supposed to. He hid them in his tent. And Josh said, okay, next town is the town of Ai. And what, what, what we should do? So they have, I, I forgot the number of people. He sent some spies there. A few spies. They came back. Said, it's not that big a town. A few thousand people. We'll take it out. It's not, not, not a big deal. Well, so Joshua didn't fear the town of Ai. Not knowing but mind you, he just went through Jericho. Jericho walls fell, right? The enormous story. Wow, God can do anything. Look what just happened. So he has nothing to fear. He's not afraid of I. Oh, sure, a couple thousand guys, go just wipe them out. Next. He didn't fear it. And what happened? They were defeated. And whoa. What happened? This was an easy one. This was child's play. And yet, they lost. So Joshua gives his, gives his an example of, if you don't fear them, that's unwise. If you fear them, that's unwise. What do you do? Neither fear nor don't fear. Trust your God only. 
Gotta listen, watch God. Regardless of what happens, you fear him. So remember, as I mentioned when I first introduced this, this section, chapter seven, part of six, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and 11 are all focused on chapter, sorry, commandment number one. Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. It's commandment number one, to remember and know him. So they're all focused on, this is what it means to God, to remember and know him. To remember where he came from, where you came from, how, he got, how you got where you were at, and how, where the travel you're going. It's all folks about that. The next chapters cover the next commandments. They're all broken up into the commandment sets. So when God's discussing this topic, you have a task to do, a difficult task, whatever it may be. Neither fear nor not fear. For God only. Know who your God is. That's the point behind it. Know who your God is. Uh, Anne, your hand was up. Um, I, th- I thought that AI was uh, the town that God said, go in, I'm with you, and you will defeat them. But that was the second That was the second batch, the second time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so, they, so he had to come, Joshua had to come back with the whole army and trick them to come out of their town. Uh, he, the second time around, the, the whole army and Joshua so divided his group up, a bunch of men hiding in the, in the hills, and he got part of his army out the field to trick the men of the eye to come out. They came out and Joshua turned around to run away from them. They got, hey, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then I said, hey, let's all go after them. And then he, after they got far of the city, he raised his staff up. And all the men of the, army, the mountains came out, surrounded, swooped in, burned the town. They killed everybody off of it. So that was the second time around. Yes, uh, Jeff. So what you're saying is the intelligence was really artificial in AI. Okay, got it. <clears throat> nice timing. I was drinking water too. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yes, the, the intelligence was artificial. Yeah, not very good intelligence. That was that was really good. That was that, that was a complex one. Well done, well done. Uh, so anyway, so, so we have, an example. It's it's great to have commands and then examples of people who fail or succeed, because it gives you an example of how do you live, how do I know what to do. When when you think of commandment number one, let's go back to commandment number one. What's the first commandment? It's re- it reads. I'll go find the Deuteronomy. It's recorded, obviously, in Exodus 2. So, go to the first commandment, right? I am Lord your God, who has taken you out of the land of Egypt from the house of labor. You should not recognize the gods of others. My presence. What does that mean? Well, what it means to not recognize their gods, but what does that mean? Hence, why we have commandments and instructions to expound what that means. This whole point is to expound what that means. Let's go a little bit further down on, 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 on chapter 7. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a, an interesting point, which I find uh, useful for, for me and my household. Um, in verse 25, the carved images of their gods... You shall, you shall burn in fire. You shall not covet and take for yourself. The silver or gold is on them. At least you be ensnared by it for an abomination to Jehovah your God. You should not bring an abomination to your home and become, and become banned like it. You shall surely loathe it and it should be abhorrent for it is banned. Um, yeah. So in this instance, obviously for a, a Jew slash Christian, so operating an idle manufacturing business is wrong. <laughs> okay, we know that. That is an immoral thing to do. It is a banned object. Though you may not be observing, for example, uh, a holiday that everybody else observes, but selling a Christmas tree, it's a Christmas tree, fa- Christmas tree farm, 
is immoral. It is a banned thing. You're bringing an idol into your home. So even though Irving Berlin was a great songwriter, he was a Jew and probably should not have written a bunch of song carols <laughs> as far as honoring Christmas in order to make, uh, make a living. I'm not, not going to you know, pester him so much, but the point is that it is our responsibility to be peculiar, odd people. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to stand out, not fit in. Yeah, get over it. Yeah, you're not going to be popular. That's okay. You don't need to be. The point is that the world around you, you may see something. Obviously, your job is to avoid it because it is banned. If you don't avoid it, as God pointed out, if it's banned and you don't avoid the object or the item or the event or the occurrence, you get banned. You become banned like the object becomes banned, the object was banned. And do any of us want to be banned from God? No. <laughs> that is the last thing you want, Cain, to be banned from God's presence. You don't want that. If you don't want that, then don't mistreat and ignore the first commandment, which is to know who your God is, that he is your God. And these, these are the procedures which you are to follow. Uh, I won't go through all this part, but there's one thing I want to point out in this section. I looked at chapter 8. The difficulties of afflictions and such. Yeah, we all have trials. Yeah, we all have hard times, difficulties, struggles. Yeah, the younger ones, maybe not so much. You will when you get older. (laughs) But life gets hard. It gets very difficult. Losses, loved ones that that, that perish before their time, uh, things you struggled for, strove for, and it failed for whatever reason. They're hard things. Those are not things which I ever recommend or desire for any of them. But God does point out the purpose of all of them, verse 3 of chapter 8, is to afflict you, let you hunger, and then feed you man that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you know that you were not fed by bread alone, does man live, rather by everything that lives in the mouth of God, does he live. The purpose of difficulties are for what purpose? Struggles are or for what gain? What's the value of the struggle? To know not to trust in the items that you're trusting in. Know the things that you've lost are hard losses, but you're going to have to trust the God that made you. Commandment number one. We've all had losses of different forms. From loved ones to friends to jobs to whatever we've all had losses and they're hard but that's the first commandment to know who your god is you can't trust those things you've lost whether people or things it's all the same so it's a hard thing to do but reality is that's how that's how it's supposed to work uh it goes a little bit here i'm gonna jump down to verse 11 of chapter 8. So this is the, 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 the core of this, of this chapter here. Take care, lest you forget, if I your God, by not observing his commandments, his ordinances, his decrees, which I command you today. So the core of it is, what does God equate Forgetting him. If 
you do not observe his commandments, his ordinances, his decrees, that is equal to you forgot God. Well, I didn't forget him. I prayed to him all the time. I talked to him. God isn't talking about praying to him and talking to him. It says here, Take care, lest you forget your God by not observing his commandments, his ordinances, his decrees. So God equates forgetting him is to not obey him. That's forgetting, that's forgetting him. That's not a pleasant thing to think about. We think, well, I, I pray to Jesus or I pray to God, whatever variation you may, you may believe in. I pray, these, I pray and I pray and I talk to him and I follow him and I listen to him. I don't necessarily do everything. I don't follow him necessarily that particular way. Well, these commands aren't really that important. They're, they're old ones. Every time we argue into ourselves or rationalize, I won't do this because that's not important. I'm doing this. That's good enough. You're deleting that section, that ordinance, or that, 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 that command. What does God equate that to? You forgot him. Well, command number one. The first commandment of all, the most fundamental of all commandments. So that's how God defines forgetting him versus not forgetting him, is obeying him. Now, I have a question for you. Some of you are parents. Some of you are kids. When you willfully, as a child, forgot, to quotes, forgot, <laughs> the instructions your parents gave, you did something you weren't supposed to go do. What are you doing? Are you obeying? Are you following your parent? You're disobeying. You're ignoring them. As adults, you grow up, and you think back as children. Oh, yeah, I've, mom, dad, they used to say that, but that's not important anymore. I do this, and I don't do this. I've, I've changed this way of life. What are you doing? You're forgetting. Not like, oh, I can't remember, but you're forgetting is you're choosing to ignore, set aside, whatever you were instructed. Now, maybe that's good. Maybe the instructions were evil. I don't know. The point is that the nature, the way of forgetting someone is forget what they taught you. When you have to remember someone, how many of you can remember your great, great, great grandparents? Probably none of you. <laughs> yeah, one. Because <laughs> you've forgotten. How did you forget them? Well, you never really knew them. Do you know what they taught? No. What if you did know what they taught? Would you have forgotten them then? How many of you know what Abraham taught? Your Bibles. You forget him? No. Why? It's written down. Remember all the time. Therefore, we don't forget him. What if about Abraham's father? Oh, yeah, what was his name? Uh, yeah, that guy. What did he teach? Well, I don't know. So you forgot him. It becomes not important. The way we remember individuals is remember what they taught us. So how to remember our God? Remember what he taught us. If we choose to forget him, meaning choose to not remember what he taught us, then we're not going to follow what he taught us. We're not going to follow what he taught us. We're not going to remember him. They're all going to connect, connect, connect together. So God equates not following him as forgetting him, which we actually do the same thing naturally. Now, do you remember your great-great-great-grandparents? 
you might know their name if you looked up like ancestry.com if you're lucky. Maybe. You bothered. But they weren't important enough to even bother for most of us. So it didn't matter to us. Hence, their, te- their lessons they taught, the lives they lived, we forgot. Unimportant. Discarded it. Whatever life they lived doesn't matter anymore. So this is a process. It's a warning against, against your future. Pay attention to what you're doing. So to break commandment number one is to forget God by not observing or recognizing the source of, all, of, 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 of your blessings where you're at. As it continues on in verse uh, 12, it says, At least you eat, be satisfied, you build good houses, and settle in it. Your cattle and your sheep, your goats increase, you increase your silver and gold, everything yourselves, all these great possibilities, all these great wealth. Scroll all the way down. And, 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 who took, and at least in your heart, you will become haughty and you will forget the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. So what's the biggest cause of human beings forgetting? Wealth. Comfort, success, <laughs> greed, <laughs> wanting more of it. What, are we, are sus- we are susceptible to forgetting something by our successes. Look what I did. Oh, I finally accomplished that task. I did that thing. It worked. Who did it? God blessed it. God allowed it to work or he didn't allow it to work. That process of forgetting, we just delude ourselves. What is the American God? Not referring to the God of Abraham, but the prophet of America when we were first established. What he said, what did he warn us? This is back in the colonial days. The first thing he said, America will be successful unless it bows to wealth and prosperity. That will be its God. And he warned, warned us. 340 years ago. Wealth and prosperity is our God. Not saying, uh, got the guy's name. I remembered it like last night. I forgot it again. It, 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 he, he has a very famous speech, the City on the Hill speech. Um, that, was our, that, that is our weakness, our wealth and our prosperity. Because what happens when we're wealthy and prosperous? We want more. Do we give God credit for it? No. Not a, very few people do. You're right. Some people do give God credit for it, but most do not. We tend to want more of it to get more wealth prosperity. So our successes are our failures, aren't they? When we succeed at gaining the wealth prosperity we're after, we're striving for, was God warning us that? You will give yourself credit. Yeah, you will give yourself credit. When I succeed in something, I give myself credit. Oh, look what I did. Look, it worked. I give myself credit for it. Now, it's not an easy thing to say, well, why would I do anything then? Shouldn't God be, I should give God credit for everything? Well, yes, you should. <laughs> you should all give God credit for everything. That's not an easy task, but that's how it works. So God's pointing out that, hey, guys, the God of America, or God of, not just America, of any, any, any people groups, in this case, he's referring to God of their, their likelihood God will wind up being uh, the idols. And oh, and by the way, in case you're not quite clear on this, the nature of an idol, what is the reason someone offers something to an idol? To get some order back, <laughs> right? I offer to this idol of whatever in order to get blessed by some to gain more, right? That's the purpose of an idol. 
So whether the idol is a physical rock with eyes carved out of it, or it's a it's a, it's the, the 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 global slot machine known as investments in Wall Street, <laughs> it's all the same thing. I am doing something to gain something back out of it. I'm trying to work and honor by giving more of this to this thing to get more of it out. Yes, uh, Jeff. So what you're saying is our philosophy should be quid pro no. <laughs> You give and don't get, don't, don't, don't take, don't accept a return. Don't expect a return. God will bless you in his way, not necessarily in your way, but it's the nature of the reason why we do idols. It doesn't matter whether you are sacrificing to Baal, your child, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, or Shamash, or any of the other names of all the other various pagan gods. The reason you're doing it in order to gain prosperity, wealth, or success, and whatever else, whatever you're trying to, to, what trying to do. So the reason we're, whether the idol is a physical rock or whether it is your, your health or your prosperity or whatever else you're after in money or gains, those are all our idols or even yourself. And this points out, God says you give yourself credit. So your idol is yourself, the wealth that you, that you think you can create, the success that you think you will, you will, you will strive and, and succeed with. I'm not condemning wealth, by the way. I'm just pointing out that the value of it has to be very careful as far as where you give credit to. Nothing against rich people. Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. Sickly wealthy. David was rich. They gave credit to God. <laughs> There's a distinction of who, who got the credit when they, when they, were, they were wealthy. So I'm not condemning wealth by any means. Point is, what was that? It all was God owns the silver and the gold. Right. Yeah. So he you. We're borrowers. So uh, it, uh, that's that's the key one. I've got I've I have no clocks. So I'm gonna do what time it is. Um, going down to chapter nine. This is uh, a few details about chapter nine. Let's see, remember Exodus relations. Oh, thank you. So uh, so it about chapter nine. It it's it points out the one of the issues in verse. Thank you. Or clock. Appreciate that. It's two. That's good. In verse, uh, first verse, verse, uh, oh yeah, who can stand against you? So let's go down a little bit. Verse uh, five, no, four. Do not say in your heart when you have pushes that is referring to the nations you, co- you conquer, your enemies, your difficulties, your struggles. How many of you have personal struggles? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> your personal struggles, whatever they are, I don't care what they are, just whatever they are. When you succeed over them, how do you feel? Great. <laughs> you feel great. Yes, it worked. You feel wonderful, right? Uh, uh, difficult schooling, uh, success in business or life or wedding or marriage, whatever, whatever it is, you feel great. For a little while. <laughs> For a little while. It says, but do not send your heart when you have pushed away the way, the way this is referring to your enemies, whatever your difficulties are. It's because of my righteousness that you've got to bring me to possess this land. It isn't because you were any good. Not say you're evil. Not because you're evil. But the reason isn't because you're good. Your success isn't because you're good at it. Success is because God said, I will bless this effort. I will make this happen for you for whatever his reason is. And it may not be yours. You may totally miss it. Lose it completely. I didn't remember. I forgot. It happens. But that's, 
that, but the reason you're going to bless it is not because you were good enough or you were, you were the best. It's because something else was worse. Yes. Daniel, what if you're in a situation where you need to expose Hasatan um, because there's something going on regarding that, the wealth, the greed, and exactly what you're saying about idols? So when you're saying to expose, explain what the term expose. Expose it to yourself or expose it to somebody else? No, say the person who's bowing down to the idol is actually exposing himself and... So if I reveal what he's bowing down to, and it is wealth, what? So I'll give an example. Deal with that enemy who's yeah. so who's trying you, to bow down. I totally get that. So first of all, um, task number one: what somebody else does, what somebody else does. All right, that's that's a that's a fundamental task. What somebody else does is their business. What you do is your business. So God pointed out, when you go into a new territory, new land, this, this, this is the first instruction he gave earlier on. Be aware, do not attach to, do not associate with, do not group yourself a part of those who are doing something that is evil or idol worshiping, whatever it may be. Because through their idol worship, you'll get drawn in. It'll be a snare for you. It'll attack you too. It'll be a thorn in your side. It points out multiple different ways. So that's, that's your, your overall colored glasses you put on when you're dealing with a given situation. Uh, yes, Alma. Just answering her question, it says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. He doesn't say beware that others right. or, do, or idolaters or whatever their business is, people right. or liberals. It says beware that you. Right. So don't worry about them. Over that. Now, when it comes to somebody coming to you for assistance, I have a problem. I need help. This is what I'm doing. What do you think about this? Now we've opened a whole new book. It's called your Bible. <laughs> it's a whole new book of life. Okay, let's discuss this. Now I had this discussion with my, with my son uh, not too, maybe a few months back. So you have a friend who likes to speed in the, on the freeway. Speed of 65, they go 90. Okay. Now you're, car- you're caravanning. You're not carpooling. You're caravanning. <laughs> You may see them go, ah, that's their business. Maybe they get a ticket, maybe they get hacked in their business, whatever. Now, that's, that's what, all you can say to your friend is, that's probably not very wise. Because you realize all these risks you, you might be taking, you could die, things, you could cause death to somebody else. Issues could happen. You're not saying stop speeding. So you're pointing at it's the way which you're presenting it. That's not very wise. You have the knowledge of what these things do, but you're not applying it. You're not applying knowledge, so you have knowledge without wisdom. You can't apply the knowledge, you don't have wisdom then, so it's not a wise thing to do. And you may be knowledgeable, you know how to speed it, you know how to swerve out and avoid things, that's all the knowledge you need, but the wisdom isn't there. But it's just not wise, and leave it at that. Now, if you're carpooling, different problems, slow down, you'll kill me too. <laughs> I'm in this here, slow down, I don't want to die also. Otherwise, you're... But, what would be wise then for you in the future? Don't carpool with that individual. <laughs> you know how the knowledge, they, they go 90 in a 65 zone. I'll drive myself, thank you very much. Or I'll take a bus or I just won't go. The idea of when somebody else is still is in their realm and you're in yours, allow it to stay separate as God pointed out. They are them, you are you. Don't attach yourself to. That's an important thing. You focus on your tasks, your life, your responsibility, not somebody else's. 
Now, if somebody else that interferes with yours, leave. You leave. I will avoid this individual. The relationship is unhealthy for me. I'm going to avoid the scenario. It's dangerous to me. It's, it's harmful. You have to leave. And it could be a sibling or a spouse. When somebody's dangerous, somebody's harmful, you have to leave. They say, well, why are you leaving? Why, why aren't we friends anymore? Why aren't you returning my text messages anymore? Yeah, we need to redefine our relationship. This has gotten too close to us. This is too harmful to me. We can't have this type of relationship in this way. So I need to separate it back up, put a new boundary up between this individual and myself. So what they do, what God they worship is their business. What you do, what God you worship, that is yours. And you have to be, be aware, okay, sometimes I will be forced to separate from this individual for a period of time or for forever. You don't know. Maybe that separation is enough to where they say, wait a minute, I want to keep this relationship going. Then we'll have a conversation and redefine what is acceptable, what is permissible as far as how close you got to me or how far away you must stay. The behaviors that are unacceptable. So there is, that's where your realm kind of not ends or where it, 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 where, where you live in your existence. Because we don't live in a God-fearing community. You just don't. And you're not going to change that. Lightning's not going to strike because now everybody believes in God. Bam. It doesn't work that way. Uh, yes. Okay, your follow-up question? Okay, so how do, you, how do you get it to justice? Because everyone talks about social justice nowadays and say you want to move that situation to, into justice. Justice. Well, you have to define what you mean by justice because when you use the term social justice, it conjures up a whole host of baggage of negative and positive connotations. So I can't answer that question with that term. So it, it defines what you mean when you imply or try to say that we use the word justice. What narrow it down to what terms, what, how you're defining that word for me, please. I just have to understand it better. Go ahead. Okay, no, I'll talk to you about this. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. We can talk about it. That's fine. Um, let's move forward then. Let's go to chapter 10. Because chapter 9 is pretty much the same thing. It's the same topic about the fact that you're who you are. And I'm not, I don't need to go through the recitation of the, the, the rebellious nature of the people, right? You all know that, right? They're rebellious by nature. Yeah, we got that part. <laughs> rebellious, people are rebellious to who we are and to who they've been. Moses does point out in the rebelliousness. Uh, oh, wait, should I see that, that point? No, not yet. Um, the rebelliousness of people, we don't change really. We're all the same. We've always been. But it does point out that it's not about your ancestors who are rebellious. It's us. About our parents or grandparents or our great-great-whatever, great-grandkids, it's us. We're rebellious by nature. Why are we rebellious? What makes us rebel? It's what I want. It's the self with inside you. How many of you have ever been selfish before in your life? <laughs> selfish. Ever been selfish in your life? Yeah, right? <laughs> Who isn't? Well, what about, how did it affect the other person or people? Was it a benefit to them or was it a detriment to them? When you're selfish, it's a detriment to somebody else. Because somebody else, you don't consider them. So when somebody's rebellious, what are you doing? You're thinking about you. It's all about the me. It's what I want. 
our nature of rebellion has a core of where its source rebellion is. It's about the me. It's all about the me, right? It's all about the individual person who says, I want to do this because I want. It's all about what I want. Not what is good for my family, my, my household, my work, my friends. It's about the them. The them isn't part of the rebellious. The them is the them and the me is the me. It's all about the me. So that's the nature of rebelliousness. He goes through all the story of rebelliousness. I do find it fascinating, however, that in this recounting, he does talk about uh, his, his need to intervene on, Abra- uh, uh, on Aaron's life as far as the rebelliousness about Aaron's life. And he points out that Aaron does, in fact, die on one of these mountains, but 40 years later. So Moses, though he's not explicitly giving himself credit for it, he does point out that his 40 days and 40 nights on his face by praying to God, saying, please, God, spare these people, worked. It worked. Uh, what's that statement? The prayer of the righteous? I forgot the phrase. Yeah, but yeah, it covers much. So the prayer of the righteous Moses, what did he do? Spared hundreds of thousands of people. So even though, now, was that a selfish Moses? Mind you, do you choose to spend your 40 days, 40 nights on your face, the ground, praying to God, no food, no water? That's not really a selfish thought, really. It's not like, ooh, yay, that sounds good. I'll do that for my vacation next time. That's not really the first thing that comes to your mind, right? That's a non-selfish event. A righteous person did a non-selfish thing to pay for all the selfish rebellionness that was happening over there. That took a lot out of him. It's a lot, right? How many of us would do that? I know I wouldn't. I'd say, I, I, I want food. <laughs> I, I, you, Moses, good for you. That's great. I'll, I'll go get, I'll come back after lunch. <laughs> we'll talk. Uh, I'm the Joe. that righteous of a person. I'm an ordinary Joe. I'm Daniel, actually, but I'm an ordinary person. <laughs> He's the Joe. So that's the nature of, of, of selfishness. So we all know people are selfish. That's the nature of wickedness. Uh, he points out in this uh, tale of, of chapter 9, verse 27. Remember the sake of your servants for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob, do not turn to the stubbornness of this people and to its wickedness and to its sin. Least the land which you took will, fa- will out of us, took us out of will say, for lack of Yehovah's ability to bring them to the land which he spoke, because the hatred of them, they take them out and let them die in the wilderness. Now, I don't know how effective God's ego is, as far as, you know, whether that was sufficient enough for Moses' comments, but he does make that comment argument many times in the Torah. Hey, God, if you kill these people off, think about all these other people are going to say about you. Now, what is God's objective? To get people to live a righteous life. That's his goal. Now, do you pay attention to unrighteous people? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> do you pay attention to or listen to or follow those who are evil? Hopefully not. I mean, there are the Hitlers of the world, but hopefully we won't follow those. The point is that if we perceive God as evil, Will you then follow him? No. I wouldn't. If I thought he was evil, I wouldn't follow him. Do I follow Buddha? No, why not? Do I follow any of the 33,000 Hindu gods? No, why not? Do I follow Allah? No, why not? Because I think they're evil. I don't follow them. Now, they may disagree with me, the followers thereof, but I think they're evil. 
So I'm not going to follow him. So if I think God's evil, I wouldn't follow him. So it's in God's interest for the people of the other nations, the goal is to follow. Oh, so is him's hand up? Oh, Pamela, your hand is up. Uh, uh, hold on, one more moment, please. I think if, I, if, the people, if the rest of the nations think God's evil, they won't follow him either. Go ahead, Pamela. Go ahead and speak what you're saying. Well, there is um, some Christians or a group that believes that we have the devil to oppose us uh, for our, basically our own health. So we have a, a, a choice. And so it kind of balances things. Um, do you know this uh, philosophy? So I've heard that concept before, and that the whole it's it's the same basic principle of the yin yang idea. You can't define good unless you know what is bad. So if I believe that, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not discounting it. I understand that even Apostle Paul points out, I wouldn't know what sin was unless the Torah explained it to me. So we didn't know what sin, you, there is a, a part of that. You have to have some definition of what it is. But at the same time, if that was true, then Adam and Eve did not break the rules. Because they cannot have possibly known eating the fruit was bad unless they did it in order to find what good was. And that doesn't sit well with me. I think that's an incomplete philosophy. And I have other issues too too much I'll get to in a minute. Go ahead, Jeff. Pamela, what might uh, help? You might be referring to what's become known at least uh, since the 20th century as Rasputinism, which is basically uh, that uh, the uh, Yeshua was an imperfect Mashiach or Messiah because he did not plumb the depths of depravity to understand the depths of depravity to thus resist against it. So thus, the only effective Messiah or Savior is one that has become thoroughly corrupt and known the depths of corruption. Uh, A more modern example is David Koresh. He went down that route as well. But that is kind of like why you see in some of the Eastern philosophies of the yin and the yang is that you need, you need the dark side, so to speak, to fully um, make complete the light side. That's that philosophy. So in that principle, that means if I believe that principle, it has, has to mind you, it has lots of ramifications if you, if, you break, if you take it out too far. But that means I could not comprehend life until I comprehend death. So I can't live in happiness. Oh, oh. So if, if Adam and Eve, if, if, if I have the yin-yang rule, if I, if I apply that rule back then, that means Adam and Eve could not have fairly or justly understood what they were doing as far as eating the fruit that were forbidden fruit until after they ate it. And that God cannot hold it against them. It would be unjust because they couldn't understand what or why God was saying, thou shalt not eat from this, fruit, from this tree. It'd be an unjust system. And that, so, for, so the only justified way that for the yin-yang rule or the, the devil and the, and the God rule to, 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 to battle against or to balance yourself, would I say, well, all right, God, the best solution is let them eat of the tree, taste it, know what it is, and then say, okay, now that you know what it is, now let's discuss now, don't eat it anymore. That would be a, a fair balance with the yin, the yang, or the God, the, the devil, and the, and the God uh, balancing. 
Me personally, I have other issues with it too, which we won't get into today because I think there's a lot more internal personal things, internal desires that are more dominant to me in my head than a devil per se. But that's just how I view things. But that's so that yin yang thing would fall. Go ahead. There's also the, the philosophy in the religion of Mormonism that Jesus and Satan were brothers. And, and, and that would be kind of like the yin yang theory. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not super familiar with the Mormon philosophies because I won't say why. Well, I, I, can, I, <laughs> I can help fair. out with that one because I, I am pretty familiar okay. with it. It's, it's not like that, uh, that the Satan, so to speak, was required under Mormon theology. It was that basically those were two competing plans for salvation, and Yeshua, Jesus, had the better one. And Satan's one was rejected, thus he became angry, and thus that's where the whole rebellion, that's where their philosophy comes from of him as the, the adversary. Got it. I, I, I remember seeing a, a Mormon child's book that had like all these angels early on, and one was the Satan guy, he had the black hair, and what had the blonde hair. <laughs> I won't say why, but uh, it was, uh, like, what, and they were all discussing about who was going to be go to go to go to Earth and become people. It was it was bizarre. I, I didn't I I couldn't follow it. It was kind of weird to me. But it was a child's book. So I figured I was just I was too old to understand it. Um, Anne, your hands up. I'm not sure I'm taking us into another realm if that's the case. But we're um, Saint Paul says uh, you know about a saint that has slept away and they're. Uh, doing things that are t totally against God's word and that. And he says, deliver such a one unto Satan that he, his flesh may be destroyed, right. destroyed, but his spirit may be revived and come back to the Lord. That's the same principle that uh, Solomon, uh, sorry, Solomon was given, the instruction Solomon was given by King David. He said, told Joab, told Solomon, make sure you kill Joab. Don't allow him to die of his old age. Uh, the principle being that Yoab had committed murder and the goal being kill him now, punish him now while he's still alive. If you don't, God will punish him later when he dies. It's better off to pay for your sins, your transgressions now while you're still flesh and that this, the, pay, the payment hurts as opposed to when you're a spirit. When you're a spirit, the payment isn't so good. You don't make it through. And so the principle being, it is better to pay for your mistakes while you're alive, even though we, we avoid them. Everybody avoids paying for mistakes. We avoid it like the plague, literally. <laughs> it's a plague. We hate paying for mistakes. But it's 10,000 times better. Actually, technically, it's infinitely better because it's eternal life. It's infinitely better to pay for the mistake now while you're still alive than to face God and say, now it's time to pay for the mistake. So, hence Messiah's point, when you harm a little one, better for the millstone, hung around that, throw in the water. Better to kill them now rather than, than die of old age or some natural causes because then God gets a hold of them. And they didn't pay for it while they were still alive. So, they're going to pay for it after dead. And that's where the whole the second death problem shows up. So, it is far, far infinitely, by definition, better to pay for your errors, error, sins, transgression, iniquities, while you're still alive. That's the reason why the, the Catholic with the whole last rites principle. Say you're sorry now <laughs> before you're, you're on your deathbed. Apologize. Do the best you can to make the repairs now because once you see God, 
all those past mistakes that you didn't pay for is a here's your laundry list I to evil. Say, Deliver the one, right, to die. Is it to Satan or it's, is it's it to, to die? To, to die. To, to, to perish. That, that's the idea, is to, is to perish, to, to end, end their life, to, to, be, to, to, to no longer be part of. Now, in the Apostle Paul is not saying go out and murder them, go stone them. The point is that delivery off is they will live their life in the life that they wish to live, however long it's going to be, separate from you. Do not attach yourself or associate with. As was Kat's question earlier, there's a separation between you and the individual that is evil or going into corrupt corruption, They're choosing to follow, to follow a path of death. Moses laid out very explicitly uh, later on in Book Two, if you check, a number checks later. He points out and says, "I am saying before you two choices: life or death." You're the one who chooses. You live this way, you get life. You live this way, you get death. Not death immediately, not life immediately, but at the end. You can either end with life or ends with death. It's your decision. So God gives every person, every man, woman, child, it's your choice. You choose. If you're going to choose the course of life, don't hang out with those who have chosen death. Because that's going to rub off on the negative direction. Which we have the isolation points out when you go in this, this new territory, Canaanites, kill them, push them off, run them off. Don't associate with, don't interact with, and bond yourself to. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, I. That's exactly how I feel. Like I'm trying to separate myself from someone who's causing evil for to me to come to me. That's fair. And I'm trying to separate myself, and he doesn't want to. Well, that, we'll discuss the relationship issue in a private discussion. We have, as far as how you deal with relationships, that we can discuss outside of this 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 format. Uh, let's see here. Let's uh, go bypass some of the details because I don't want to spend too much time on all these details. Uh, go to chapter ten real quick. It's verse twelve to thirteen. I want to read this for, just to hear. It. I know you guys heard it earlier when I'm reading it, but read it again just to don't forget because it's important. Chapter 10, Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 to 13, it records, Now, Israel, what does Jehovah your God ask of you? Only to fear Jehovah your God, go in all of his ways, love him, and serve Jehovah your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to observe the commandments of Jehovah and his decrees, which I command you today, for your blessing or for your benefit. That's what he asks of you. So is it a blessing or benefit to observe these things? Yes. How do we know? He says so. Have you experienced it? Now, some cases, yes. Some cases, we question it. But the whole point of having, you're, you're choosing to obey in order to gain the blessing that comes from it. Now, some of those blessings may be now. Some could be in 20 years from now or a lifetime from now. But the goal is your target, your end, your end goal, your objective. That's what you're after. Yeah, you go some weird paths getting there. That's okay. But the goal is the end target. Yes, Larry. I'll talk to you about it later. Okay, that's fair. So we have, the goal is the blessings. We're after the blessings. But even God, through Moses, pointed out that the Torah, the instructions, it's, I forgot, I forgot where it is. I forgot the scripture address. But um, that this is your, this is your wisdom. The, the scripture was, that this Torah instruction, this is your wisdom. I can't remember the, Exodus 13. I can't remember. Exodus 31. Possibly. I'm not sure exactly. I know it's somewhere in there. But the, 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 the Torah instruction, that is your wisdom. Why do I say it's, it's our wisdom? Now, wisdom is the application of what you understand or your knowledge. If you, you know a math problem or you know a, a word problem, you know, you, you see the problem. So you have, you, you have 
do you have the knowledge to solve it or not? Now, if you have the knowledge to solve it, great, you can now solve the problem. You have the ability to do forward. Now, choosing to solve it or choosing to not solve it, that's your wisdom. <laughs> Am I going to solve this problem or not? Do I need, should I solve this problem? Does this problem need a solution or does it not? So just knowing how to do something is one thing. Applying it is your wisdom. So our Torah is our wisdom. What is, our, what is the Torah t- full of? Instructions on how to do everything. It's the application. We got the instructions to the commandments. Here are your commandments. Now here's how you apply each commandment in each scenario. Hence, it is our wisdom. How to apply each to each scenario. Now, we may come up with some arbitrary, random, weird thing that's not listed here. That's fine. You can choose to pursue some strange scenario that didn't exist in the Torah. That's okay. But then you have to apply additional wisdom for some strange scenarios not listed here. This is not a, does not cover every scenario imaginable. It's just what the scenarios that you will likely live in when you live and you live your life. So wisdom is applying what you know to a given situation. If you choose not to apply it, that's okay. You're choosing to not apply your wisdom. You say, person, go counsel somebody else. I'm, I'm walking away from this, which could be wise in itself. It comes about that, that, that topic, because the thing I want to talk about, um, which part of the Haftorah portion, which I'll get for just for a few minutes, I'm going to end by three o'clock. That's the plan, at least. Okay, let's order it then. Um, in chapter 10, let's go a little bit further down. Let's see here. Verse, actually, it, it, it's the tail intent and going to verse, uh, chapter 11 too. Uh, verse 18, where is it? Uh, right, okay, so God is describing himself, say, this is who I am, yada, 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 but with all the details. Uh, verse 18, he is referring to God, carries out the judgment of the orphan, widow, and loves a prophet to give him bread and garments. Therefore, you, as a human being, you're supposed to be like God, right? How do I be like God? It's not that easy, but let's pretend we are. What are our job then, along with the whole loving God with all the heart and our soul and obeying his commandments, how do we treat somebody else? Verse 19, you shall love the proselyte, for you were strange in the land of Egypt. The stranger. You are you God, you shall fear him. You shall serve him. You shall cleave to him. His name shall you swear by he is your praise. He is your God who did for you these great and awesome things that your eyes saw. I jumped out at verse 11. Sorry, chapter 11, verse 1. Skip the last one of 10. You shall love Jehovah your God. You shall safeguard his charge, his decrees, his ordinances, his commandments all your days. Stop. We discussed this previously, previous years. You'll safeguard these four things. His charge his decrees, his ordinances, his commandments, all your days, as long as you live. Now, we know the decrees, ordinances, commandments, they're listed in the Torah, pretty explicit. It says exactly what they are. They're all here. What's his charge? Remember what his charge is? Charge means what does he favor or, 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 or take care of the best? The widow? Yeah, the widow, the strange, the orphan. That's his charge. So what is our responsibility then? Or be like God, right? Widow, stranger, orphan. That's our charge. That's his. He values that. Therefore, it's ours. We value that. Does that make sense? It's pretty straightforward. The minor prophets discuss this quite thoroughly. 
the, the, the armies that sweep in and kill people, wipe out whole cities and nations that God directs to go do so. He does that because of the writer prophets say they have mistreated their orphans. They mistreated their widows. They mistreated their proselytes. They ignored and took advantage of them. Therefore, God says, I'm going to wipe them out. And the Shabbats too. That, that, that's obeying God's instructions. They had the Shabbat break, but they, oh, Amos points out, they, they obey the, the new moons, bizarrely. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yes, Anne. You said proselytes instead of strangers, or? Yes, okay, so it's, it's strange. In Hebrew context, the same word used two different ways. A stranger and a proselyte, the same Hebrew word, but one is one who's trying to follow God, and one is the same person who's trying to not. But neither of them are Israelites. So somebody from some other nation. So it's come to your land to live. One saying, wow, your God's awesome. I want to be like this. I want to follow you. That's a proselyte that you like. Because he says, wow, your God's terrible. I don't want to follow you. That's a proselyte you don't take care of. <laughs> That's the opposite one. Same word. It's a sojourner, a stranger in, in your territory. But one is saying, I like God, I like your way of life, I like this existence. And one saying, I hate your God, I hate your way of life, but I make money here, so I'm sticking around. Because <laughs> all that wealth. And that's when you don't necessarily focus on that particular individual. But that doesn't mean you get to mistreat them. There are actually laws here about how you treat them. Even the stranger who doesn't like you, there are specific rules you must not mistreat. Here's your rules that match. Hence wisdom. Apply, there's a scenario for everything just to find the right one that matches what's going on. Immigrant that comes across the border illegally, uh, my stranger to deal with? I mean, that's a great question. That's a great question. So, in the case of (laughs) a lot of opinions, I'm sure, in the case of the stranger crossing the border legally, I don't really care. Purchase two things, all right. For myself, my own personal head, all right? This is just me speaking, so I can't speak for what you think, but how I think of it. This is how I view the person, whoever they are. Whether legal or illegal coming across, I don't care. Who's the individual? What are they doing? Now, there are some coming from awful circumstances where they come from. Some of them have sent their kids across because the parents can't make it. I totally understand there are certain scenarios which are such a horrible thing that determine that Breaking the rules and dying in the process is more righteous, it's better than staying where I'm at. Now, that's a hard decision to make. Now, if I was in a scenario where my family, my children were in a situation where staying where we're at, wherever we're at, is more awful than sending my family, my children, crossing another nation's border and possibly dying, being raped, being murdered in the process is better than where they're at now, that's an extraordinarily hard thing for me to imagine. But it exists. So keep in mind, each individual is an individual. Each person is their own unique situation and story. So you treat a human being as you'd want to be treated. At the same time, there are also individuals who are serial criminals doing the exact same thing. The point is, each person is a person. 
whether it is legal or illegal, the person's the person. You must know their story. There's a reason why we have judges. There's a reason we have lawyers. I don't really like much of them, but some of them are pretty good. Their job is to tell the story of their client scenario. This story is this scenario. Therefore, we want mercy applied to this individual. They broke this rule to do this. I respect that. The judge's job is to determine, okay, is this rule breaking justifiable under this scenario? Meaning, would a rational human say that was worth it? Or would a rational human saying that was wrong? Or is this story not just, does not justify the breaking of the rule? We call that mercy. We call them judges. That's why we have judges. We have courts. That's, that's the purpose behind to determine there is a breaking of a scenario of a law or a rule. Is the breaking justifiable or not justifiable? And determine each person as an individual. That's my viewpoint in life. I don't paint a broad brush. I'm not going to say everybody's this, everybody's that. I'm an advocate of you hear every, I know it's exhausting, individual, maybe not a language, story. Hear them all. And judge each one according to their own merits. Now, can they be lying to you? Of course. And they can lie. And so you, you, that's a judge's job. Determine, is it a true account or a blatant lie? I, I can't speak to all those details. I'm not a judge, and there's a good thing I'm not. So every person's their own, own, own scenario. In my viewpoint, treat them as an individual person because God may have inspired them to go do something. What's that? The God-inspired rabbi who ate the, ate the, ate, ate the piece of paper. <laughs> About the, the guilty versus not guilty. Uh, it was a joke, but the point is, if, I don't know if it's true or not, but there was each story is its own story. So treat a story as its story, as its own situation and scenario. Make sense? That's my viewpoint. Now, you don't agree with me. That's my viewpoint. I want somebody else to view my story as my story. Hear me out. Even if you disagree with me, rule against you, that's okay. I will respect and honor the ruling, but please hear my story first. Then I will honor whatever the judge determines. If it says go back home to back where I came from, so be it. That's okay. My story was not worth the breaking of the rule in their, in their judgment. That's okay. I can respect that. But hear the story first. Fair enough? That's my viewpoint. Okay. Um, I'm going to move a little further forward on this. Any comments for a question? Because I've... I've, I'm going to move. I'm, I'm, this is a, so in, in this case, we discuss this Torah portion. Um, let's see here. I'm going to skip one thing. I'll come back to it later if I have time. Uh, we're going to go to our Hoff Torah portion real quick. So in this Torah portion, we discuss about God saying, don't forget me, right? Oh, sorry. Jenny, head up. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, uh, when, when you said that God said that he, he was going to wipe them all out, is he going to wake him up at another time, or so are they, or are they death, wiped yeah. out for good? No, so death is never permanent to God until after they get judged. We know that. He can always bring somebody back who, is, who has been killed for whatever reason and to, be, to, to account for what they knew versus what they didn't know, what they did and what they didn't do. There's always that, 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 that judgment day. So death is not a permanent thing in God's viewpoint. It isn't ours, but in his doesn't matter. So when Moses pointed out with the, oh, the Midianites or Moabites, I can't remember. I think Midianites. Kill every man, woman, and child. Well, this is a little girl. Kill them all. Well, what did the little kids do? Well, apparently God determined they, the, the, the society has corrupted itself so extreme 
that he's here as human beings, they cannot redeem themselves. They cannot pull back from how far in the deep depravity evil it is that they've gone through. Even the children can't pull back out. And God determined they're better off dying now. It's just going to get worse for them. They're just going to go deeper into evil than they've already experienced and seen. And some have watched like little, little boys. What do the little boys do? What what the little boys do? The little little boy, little kid, right? Oh, yay, kid, right? Oh yeah. Oh, he saw his 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 older brother be be sacrificed. His parents taught him, oh, this is the good thing. He's gonna grow up, oh, you bad people killed my parents. What's gonna happen? God determines that little boy, he's better off dying now before it's too late. Because he's gonna do far worse when he grows up. Now I can't understand it all. I don't know the future God does, so I'll give him credit for that. If he determines he made the judgment, that whole population needs to die now before it gets so worse, so much worse that it causes so much more damage to themselves and to others around them. I don't make those determinations. I'm not God, thank goodness. Let him decide those things. So he decides who lives, who dies. But remember, death's not permanent in his viewpoint. It's that you're putting them to sleep for now, wake them up when we're ready. It's just, you take a nap. We go to bed. We'll deal with this in the morning. Go to your room. We all had that problem with your parents. Go to your room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to bed. We'll we'll deal with this problem tomorrow. We're tired. We're not thinking. Just just every, we'll we'll feel better in the morning. Same principle. God, the morning is resurrection day. <laughs> that's the only difference. It's a long morning, but a long night. But that's still. Um, let's move on a little bit. So in so we cover this whole thing. I'm going to skip parts of the level. I might come back to it. This whole thing, discussing about the fact that God says, don't forget me, don't forget me, don't forget me, right? The Haftor person uh, is the other perspective. So Haftor person is Isaiah chapter 49. This, I'll conclude with this, with this portion most likely, this, this section. Isaiah 49, I'm not going to read the entire portion, but just, just portion, part of it. And jump to verse uh, 14 of Isaiah 49. It says, now this is, uh, this is, this is a, 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 a viewpoint of the city uh, so God, or Isaiah, God, God through Isaiah personified a city as if it was a living thing, as opposed to a structure with walls, actually like its own spirit. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Now, mind you, we just went through a chapter where it says, don't forget God. Don't forget God. Don't forget God. Don't forget God. And Zion said, but God, you forgot me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget. So even though you and I may say, God, I, yeah, these, these, I forgot the instruction. I forgot I was, wasn't supposed to do that or do this. I, I, I just, the commands aren't important. I may forget God I, by, by disobeying something he says to do or ignoring it or forgetting it. But God pointed out, regardless of what you do, regardless of what I do, God points out, I'm not going to forget. I don't forget anything. Does God ever forget anything? Has he ever forgotten anything? Now he has chosen to not remember certain things on purpose. Your sins, transgressions, iniquities, they believe it beside. But the, the details are the actual other things of the world, the promises he made, he doesn't forget them. They're still written down. Uh, see, I have inscribed on, this is verse 16, I have inscribed on you 
the described you on the palms of hands. Your walls are continued before me. See, he wrote on his hand. <laughs> yeah, what was that? <laughs> so he wrote in his hands, you, well, the idea, of, it's like tying a string on your finger, although I hope he doesn't wash his hands and get it, the ink rust off, but if he writes on his hands, right, the, the idea is that you won't forget what you just wrote down. That's the principle behind it. So he wrote it down in the palms of his hands. Your walls are before me. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Lift up, he's talking to Zion, the city. Lift up your eyes and look around you and see all of these gather together to come to you. As I live, says, says Jehovah, you shall surely clothe yourself with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. So the city binds, what, what's the city decorated with? It's not pretty buildings. What's the city decorated with? It's not the plants and the shrubs and the, and, 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 and the trees. What's it decorated with? It's people. It's, yeah, people. People decorate a city. Have you ever been to a city that's been evacuated? Probably not. Have you ever seen a city evacuated? Yes. What's the city look like? Dead. It's empty. Is, you, you, you want to live there? Okay, some of us might, but <laughs> you don't like people. <laughs> but the city is a city because people are in it. What if it, no one was in it? Well, go to China. There's a lot of cities that they built that had nobody in it yet. <laughs> they're just empty structures. They're painted, whatever, they're painted, but the buildings are there, but there's nothing really in it. Rural America has a lot of cities and towns mostly evacuated. People have left them. Ghost towns. Do you want to live there? No. What makes a city a city? The people that are in it. It's the people that make it a city, a town. Is a house a house if no one lives there? Well, yeah, it's a structure. But is it a home of anyone? No. It's nobody's home. A home is where people live. Finds a home. Whether it's an apartment building, makes no difference. It's a home is when people live there. If it's empty, it's just empty. A structure which could be knocked down tomorrow, and and, 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 and it will affect no one because no one will care. So cities are. He says, I I will surround the people with you, and you will clothe them at all. Clothe your clothes. Zion will clothe herself as 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 ornaments, as as decorations, as 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 you know jewelry is on. For your waste and desolate, this is verse 19. For your waste and desolate places in the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants. And those who swallow you up will be far away. The children you will have after you have lost the others will say again in your ears, this place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. Then you will say in your heart, who has begotten all these for me? Since I have lost my children and am desolate a captive and wandering to and fro? Who has brought these? There I was left alone, but these, where were they? The city is identifying that I was empty and wiped out. Mind you, Jerusalem was. It was, it, it was an evacuated wasteland for a couple hundred years. There was nothing in it, but now look at it. It's a densely populated city. Lots of people live there. Where did they come from? We're born there. Well, some now, but at the time they weren't. 
all over the world. And what's Jerusalem's claim to fame? All the people who came from throughout the whole world who, 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 who attract themselves to that town, that city as its dominant home for them. The city can legitimately say, where did these people come from? They weren't born here. Where did they show up from? But God, God called them back because even though we may forget, God doesn't forget. So if, we're, if God is going to be honoring his memory and he won't forget us, credit number one, what's our job? Don't forget him. Even though it may be a hard trek, difficulty, struggles, all those different things you're going to go through, all the stories, all the losses and the gains, don't forget him. It's not through our work, not through our wealth, not through our own efforts that God succeeded or that we succeeded. We see rather through God's blessing of saying, I'm going to honor this, not the work you did necessarily, but because it needs to be done because God doesn't forget. God won't forget his agreements. God won't forget his promises. Commandment number one. Any questions or comments about this Torah portion or this Hoff Torah portion? I'm not going to, I probably won't go back. Well, there's one thing I wish I'd like to point out to you. There is a promise of, um, Actually, I, I like this one too. This, 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 I'll conclude this last, this last statement. Uh, back to our Torah portion section. There's one comment in there which I have glanced over and ignored over the years. Um, the verses uh, 21. This is the, 11. This is a, 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 this, after you bound these, these things onto your doorposts, the instructions here, this is a promise that God had gave in here, which I had not noticed prior to today or yesterday. In order to prolong your, this is a reason why body in order to prolong your days and the days of your children on the land that you have sworn to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heaven is over the earth. What does that mean? To prolong your is prolong your days, the days of your children on the land that Jehovah has sworn to your forefathers to give to them, like the days of heaven or the earth. Who were their forefathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who did God promise to give the land to? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham first, you're right, Abraham first, but then Isaac and Jacob as well. Did those men receive the land? No. But he points out, like the days of the heaven over the earth. How long does heaven remain over the earth? Eternity. So what's God has said he swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this land for eternity. But those men didn't receive it. They died. They perished. They're buried. What is he saying? He's going to resurrect them in order to fill that 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 prophet that 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 command that that swearing, which we know that ahead of time. But it's interesting. That I had never noticed actually recorded there as well that because he says to them, not to you. He swore to them, those three men, not to the descendants, not to. To Judah's descendants, not to Levi's descendants, is to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That was the agreement. 
So those three men, if God swore to them that he doesn't lie, in order to fulfill that swearing, they must own that land, those three men, as long as the heaven exists over the earth. So when eternity comes, we have our king, our Jerusalem, based on this swearing, who's in charge of everything else? Those three men. It's theirs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob own that land. Those three men do. The descendants will live there. Those men own it. That's what God swore for eternity. I had never caught that before. Like, that's interesting. That those three men were the ones in charge. Sorry, say the little land. Well, it says God said he, to let them give, live there forever. To give it to them. So he's the, I guess, the oh, ultimate owner. Okay. But to give it to them is they will take possession of it. And because they love God, would follow suit with what, what, what would happen to it. But it's interesting. I never caught that. But if I use that as this literal phrase, I mean, those men who loved God, did any of them ever forget God? No. Did God ever forget them? No. So as long as God doesn't forget, he's going to repopulate a Zion, Jerusalem today, which you can see, very heavily repopulated. God doesn't forget anything. He won't forget this promise either. These men will meet them. Essentially, they'll be the landlords, (laughs) for lack of a better term. (laughs) The ones who are in charge. So these promises that if God won't forget even that, then how can we forget him? Can't. How can we forget him? Any comments, questions? I'm going to conclude with that there, conclude with the prayer. If you have any questions about this Torah portion, this topic we discussed today, it's the nature of commandment number one. Who is your God? And not forget him. All right, conclude with prayer then. Almighty God, our great Father, thank you for Shabbat, a day of rest, our day of praise and worship and study and listening to your way of life. Father, may you grant us peace and good understanding to never forget you and never forget your way of life that we may live and live well. We praise you, Father, for your kindness and love upon us, Father. We ask you will bless us, the balance we have today, to visit and fellowship with each other. May your will be done. We praise you, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at Hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.